Hello and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is my guest co-host, Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? It is going well, Ryan. Your voice almost cracked there. It sounded like you were so excited about me being here that uh, you you couldn't even make it through that introduction, which I appreciate. If I was in your shoes, I would be that excited. It's true. All of everything, you, 100% of what you said was true. Um, Jocelyn is not here this week. If you follow her on Twitter, she's had uh, a, a, the last couple of weeks have been pretty rough. A lot of life stuff going on. Um, you should definitely, uh, you know, send your well wishes to at Joss plays on Twitter. Uh, I did talk to her today. She's looking to come back in just a couple weeks. She's going to take some time off, uh, to be with family, but, uh, we will welcome her back and we can't wait to have her back on the show because I, I think there's a new story that dropped today that I am on purpose holding until she gets back. Cause it was pretty much, uh, it was pretty much designed to be, uh, <laughs> addressed uh by jocelyn so um we will welcome jocelyn back in just a couple of short weeks definitely uh follow her on twitter at joss plays let her know you're thinking about her and uh we will have her back very soon so all the best jocelyn we are all thinking of you and i'm not sure what that news article ryan's talking about is but if there's one thing i do know about the news is it never changes so in two weeks for sure we'll still be relevant i'm sure Yes. Well, in this case, the news story is a dead by daylight dating sim. So, um, oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll gloss over it in the news, but I I do plan to save it for Jocelyn when she gets back. Um, but Crofton, you've got like some big bold, uh, you know, purple letters here at the top of the news. Something about Apple. Oh, so Ryan, look, I went on a little bit of a journey. Uh, mm. through the, uh, you know. I was, I forget what I was, I was listening to a podcast and they were, they did a segment where they, they read from their reviews on Apple or whatever. Now I don't have an Apple device. So I, it occurs to me that I never really looked to see um, what the reviews are for, for the podcast on Apple. And I'm talking about Dungeons and Diapers, the other great podcast that I do with you. I went into the Apple reviews and I found only that we only had one review. Was it five star? Yes, obviously. Did I do it? No, but I understand your suspicion. But <laughs> I then checked the gamers in and it also only had one review on Apple. And I thought to myself, that is, you know what? That's how you get a podcast to be, you know, more known and stuff. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do Ryan and Jocelyn a favor. It's such a great show here. I'm going to go on their show. I'm going to tell everybody who listens to it regularly. You guys have an active Discord and all this. You you all have to go on the Apple podcast thing or whatever the Android equivalent is and, and give them a five-star review and write something like, you know, great Amazing gaming podcast, really like guest host Crofton, other hosts good too, something like that. Um, and uh, and I mean, I think I think that you guys you need to load up, mobilize your the gamers in army. What 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 is the name that you you call them, Ryan? Uh, uh, I don't it, think we have one. I, you should. What like what what are you called? People who stay in an inn, uh, innkeepers? No, no the wait. innkeepers are. We do we do refer to Jocelyn and I as the innkeepers. So, so what the what, what is it when you stay it in? Come on, brain. You stay at a hotel. You are a traveler. Oh. Uh, 
Hotel stayer? No. There's something there. Ah. There's something. It's like a. Um, it's right know. there. I. I, I you it's a, gonna. You're a communications it, person. Where's your thesaurus or your dictionary? You know what I do in this in this situation? I would crowdsource it. I would say to your audience, you know, you need to come up with a name True. of like like what are your Patreon tiers? Like, do do you have like a wandering oh, travelers? Creative. Yeah, they're oh. not. They're not creative. Oh. But if anyone wants to name them. Uh, they can certainly do so at patreon.com slash the gamers in, or, uh, let us know what they would like to be called. I, I think right now it's just, it's, it's just like the standard gamers in fans, right? Like just, uh, it's not catchy. So I just feel there's something, somebody who stays in a hotel, like something like, I don't know, some, somebody that would travel regularly wanderer. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's not bad. I would just say that your wanderers or travelers or what have you should be leaving you some apple reviews because i think that will that will help you and uh, this is a fine show and i'm i'm really happy to be here oh well i i'm really happy to have you on the show uh you know and when it comes to uh, you know apple podcast or any reviews in general i i find like uh first of all you're probably only seeing one because that's the canadian podcast store i i know there are some on the american store uh I like, you know what? I struggled. Like they always say, don't read the comments. And I think most of the reviews that people leave are are pretty positive um, across the board. But again, like you do sometimes get some reviews that are, are not so uh, not so nice to read. But I think most of ours are pretty good uh, from what I've read. But yeah, definitely uh, leave a review on your favorite store. Um, I think like the biggest ones that, that do reviews, I think. I think it's just Apple Podcasts, and I don't think Spotify or Google Play have reviews. I'm not too sure. So I know we're there, but... Either way, then share it on your Twitter or whatever, and just yes. tell tell the world about about the podcast. And while you're at it, tell them about Dungeons & Diapers, Ryan. That's another good one. It's true. You can't see right now, but I'm whispering into the mic, which does nothing. Well, I can, I can hear you whispering trying like fake whisper anyways i think that's all really nice for sure uh tweets tag us in a tweet let us know uh you know that you love the gamers and we do get those tweets and we do uh we do have an email for the end of the show as well so we do have some listener feedback this week for the gamers in so look forward to that and and crofton i feel like uh you'll be you'll be able to help answer a, a pretty interesting question Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully maybe next time when Jocelyn's back, you guys can go over the listener feedback suggestions of what a fan of the gamers in would be called, because I would be very much, very interested to hear what people think the fans of the gamers in should be called in in, in, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out together. Um, well, you know what, before we uh, chat about, uh, what Crofton's been playing this week. I, I've had this one in my notes for a while. Uh, I ended up finishing Horizon Forbidden West, which is a huge game. Um, I got the platinum on it, and I was just thinking to myself, like, the last thing I want to do is jump into another giant open world experience. Um, so I played probably what could have been, you know, the the smallest game I could find. Uh, not necessarily true. I'm sure they're smaller, but I ended up playing Unpacking, which is on Xbox Game Pass. And Crofton, this is one of those games where you're like, 
doing something that you wouldn't necessarily rush to do in real life, which is after a move, unpacking all your boxes. I, I don't, I will, I will throw it all out there. I have a box behind me that has been here on my office floor for the last six years since I moved into this house. Um, because my last office had a closet and, uh, I have no idea where to put this box. I have no idea. I'm not, I don't even know if the stuff in there is important. So, uh, yeah, I'm terrible at unpacking in real life, but the unpacking video game on Xbox Game Pass is a oddly relaxing experience where you are you moving a cursor across the across the screen with your controller and opening boxes and gently placing various household items on shelves. That is the game. It's it's really oddly relaxing. I have not played this game, but I just think about it in theory, right? Like, mm. So I also hate unpacking and or cleaning or tidying. But however, I do really appreciate the end product. So like if something is unpacked or my room is suddenly cleaned, you know, like my wife will be like, oh, I organized a basement yesterday and, and I'll be so appreciative. I'll go down. It looks great down here and it feels really good. Did I enjoy doing it? No. Why? Because – it's complicated. A lot of micro decision making, a lot of lifting, a lot of moving takes a lot of time. Often I have young children. They are counterintuitively destroying quicker than I'm able to unpack or put stuff away. Um, but I do like the end product. So now we make that, we make it that all I have to do is move my mouse gently and like drag things around and like, ah. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, that sounds, you know, quite appealing. And to be honest, a lot of video games are about cleaning in some way. Like, you can even argue first-person shooters are about, like, cleaning enemies off the map. Like, you get into these rooms, they close all the doors, then, then they just have enemies spawn, and you've got to eliminate them all. And then there's a chime that plays to say the enemies are gone, and then you can move into the next space. It's always about like removing stuff or 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 uh, you know organizing or doing something, changing a space so that it is as the game wants wants it to be like a perfect place for that game. So if it's a shooter, you're removing them through killing. If it's like a puzzle, you're solving the puzzle, and it's it's it, it's cleaning this cleaning the space. So for me, it sounds it does like it's always interested me, but not to the point that I've jumped in yet. But I didn't know it was on Game Pass. So that's good. Yeah, it is on Game Pass. And it's one of those things where you might you might like see it in passing and be like, OK, it, it looks interesting. It's got a really cool like sort of old school art style probably placing it between, you know, like maybe um, what you may have thought 16-bit Super NES graphics look like, but it's like been, you see those retro styles of like taking inspiration from the SNES era and sort of making it modern um, without going ultra realistic. So in this case, like you are presented from the beginning of the game, you are clearly unpacking uh, like a child's room. So you you got to understand like this game takes you through the life of a, a character. She progresses through her life from childhood to, uh, you know, a teenager, then, you know, moving out of the house to go to college. So she's in a dorm room. Um, she then moves out on her own. She moves in with her boyfriend. She moves in and, and it, it you know, goes from there from basically childhood to, um, to, 
being an adult. Uh, and that is part of the story that's unfolding as you're unpacking. And basically, you finish a level, level being like a time period, by opening up all these boxes in various rooms and putting things on the cor- in the correct areas, like with in a logical sense. It's not like you have to exactly place the bathroom mat at just the right angle, but what you do need to do is make sure that bathroom mat is in the bathroom on the floor where it should be. Um, so there are, once you get everything out of the boxes and the boxes are all put away, you'll be presented with this screen that basically says, hey, here are the highlighted red uh, items that are in the wrong place or in the wrong room. And you just have to make those slight corrections. And once those are done, the level finishes and you can move on. And I think where the fun comes in is like, basically, like I said, it's the music's really great. It's ultra relaxing. And it's just this like Zen experience, this zone out type thing where you were, whereas I was playing like a 60 hour action adventure, got to collect all the things type game to now just having to worry about where I, where I'm going to place this stuffed animal on a shelf and you can get creative with it and like make sure like okay throughout my entire lifestyle here i'm going to make sure the computer desk is set up in a very specific way or you can just literally like put everything away and and, and move on but it it's a it was an oddly relaxing experience and i'm not the first person to say this about unpacking i think you know i'm coming to it way later than a lot of other folks have but like it is such a a great zone out experience it's 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 short it again that's where i think it comes it, it does well on game pass it is a shorter experience i think it took me only about four to five hours to finish um but it was really cool like you get to see the evolution of this character is you know she she has this like one stuffy that she brings with her you know everywhere from childhood to to adolescence and she's like she's brought it with her and each level you get to see what what time has done uh to to a stuffed animal or in a better case it's like she's got this like favorite mug that she uses for her toothbrush in the bathroom and as the levels continue you can see it's getting you know it got a chip in it in one move so like they have those little touches as well as you you go through the paces um but yeah it's uh it's a really cool experience there's nothing that forces you from putting that mug in the bathroom right you could put it in any room you uh, you could, um, again, like I think, I don't know if, so I always put it in the bathroom cause that's the box it was in. And I think if you wanted to, you could probably put it in the kitchen with the other mugs. Uh, I don't, I don't know if the game would like tell you it's in, in the wrong spot, but I don't know. Like I, I, there are certain items that definitely have to go, like you couldn't, if you took a, like, yeah, technically could you take that giant crock pot and put it in the bedroom? Sure. But like the game's going to tell you that this is in the wrong area and you need to move it or else you can't finish the level. Like there are rules. I want to plug it into the same power bar with like the space <laughs> heater and everything and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know what will happen. Uh, like it's it's a it's a really interesting experience. Again, it's short. It's it's one of those things that you might want to just check out as like a break between larger games. You know, if you're playing I don't know, like a like a huge action adventure game and you're looking forward to the uh, the next uh, Fire Emblem Warriors game that's coming out. I, I mean, I'm speaking from experience here, but like it's nice to 
sort of slot in some some smaller experiences. Yeah, no, I you know, and that's exactly where I find myself as well, Ryan. So I had been I had been like putting the time into the old Elden Ring, you know, like just chasing that ring and uh doing doing uh, the gameplay and i love it it's a great thing everything everybody says about it positively is is very much true and i've beaten two of the elden lords and have found a lot but man this game is so big and there's so much stuff in it uh and also tonally it's very you know there's different areas and like in all these open world games but it's 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 kind of like uh the from software style of uh you know, decay and kind of, it's not a happy place, really. It's kind of like, there's a, a feeling of melancholy that surrounds it. So when you're playing it, for especially for extended stretches at one point, despite the insane quality of it, which is great in the exploration, I love it. Can't say enough good things about Elden Ring. But you get burnt. Like you can get burnt depending on your tolerance for it, especially if you're not able to play it regularly, you step away or you're just in a particularly crappy area. Like I'm in this one world that's all red and hot and there's this scarlet rot and it's really just feels icky and you can always leave it. But when you turn it on and you're there, you're just like, Oh, I don't really feel like playing this. So I wanted a break. And so I played uh, guardians of the galaxy um uh on also on game pass very much enjoyed it talked about it on dungeons and diapers was amazing then i tried to jump into elden ring afterwards again like i was done guardians i'd played it through and i was like you know what i've just played these two huge games and i needed smaller experience so i've been doing kind of like a game pass search to find you know hidden gems or what have you uh, and so I appreciate the re- the recommendation of unpacking because it does sound like something that would appeal to me. The two two uh, some of the games I've tried recently, I've tried um, my best friend Pedro or my my friend Pedro, mm-hmm. which is that like sort of a it's like by a Devolver Digital and it's essentially a stylish two D shooting game where you get points for racking up combos, just shooting dudes over and over. Um, and uh, I tried the Game Pass game, uh, uh, the the game. Sorry, what is it? The Games with Gold game of the month, or one of them, which is Yoku's Island Express, which is like a Metroidvania mixed with a pinball game. And I've been enjoying that, and I think I'm, I may continue playing it. I'm just really, um, I'm just really early into it. But I do find like it's like I'm I'm going through all the list of Game Pass games, and I'm looking for some hidden gems that will be exactly as what you say palette cleansers before I jump back into the lands between in Elden Ring or move over to like say Horizon or or some of these other large experiences because there's not a ton coming out in the rest of the year I I think so uh so I mean it 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 it's time to take a breath and to milk out these larger experiences like we don't have to rush to finish them anymore when Horizon came out and then Elden Ring came out and everyone's like oh I got to finish Horizon before I can jump into Elden Ring and I'm like, geez, that's, that's a way to live. Like, you know, maybe enjoy these experiences uh, and the, the next one will be waiting for you. But uh, I'm glad I haven't touched horizon yet, but I, I I'm glad to know it's there so that once I'm, I'm ready for my next giant game, I can jump into that. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think unpacking would be really good. And I, and I think honestly, it's a game that you could uh, enjoy with your, with your daughter as well. Like it is, it is a, it, like it's it's not um 
it's a it's a it's a fun game it's a it's a more simple approach to like a puzzle game um as it, like it's just literally like clicking on boxes moving stuff but um it would make a, a great game in between you know uh elden ring and, and guardians of the galaxy and I, I will say this when it comes to guardians of the galaxy i know i bought it way back in november it's now on game pass uh i'll likely talk about it maybe next week um because i'm i'm very close to finishing it as well um you have finished it correct i should probably ask that i i t- i finish it yeah yep so i'll say this about guardians of the galaxy uh i was not skeptical i knew i was gonna like it you know uh i knew i was gonna like guardians of the galaxy but i was i gotta admit i was wrong in dropping it because like that game there's a reason it won story of the year at the at the game awards last year like it is I think it tells uh, it tells a very good Guardians of the Galaxy story, um, and it also uh, portrays these characters. I think that's always one of those problems people have with comic book games and adaptations. Is like, oh, you know, are they going to do the characters justice? And in this case, you watch the movies. You you maybe that's your first experience with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like it was mine. And then you're thinking, oh, is this game? How's this going to work? And they really, they really do deliver their own adaptation of those characters, and I would say better portray um, what makes these characters great in the video game over the movie. Now I know in the video game they have much more time with these characters than they do in the movies, but they explore a lot of the past of these characters and give them like a slightly different approach to their backstory than you get in the movies um with gamora and and you know her sister and and being a daughter of thanos and uh and and drax as well and his past like we have the mcu but like there are similar relationships to those characters with thanos and and novacore but like we're get you're getting so much more of the guardians in the video game than you are in the movies like they just scratch the surface of the of the world of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the movie, you know, but in the game they they like all in like you've got the Nova Corps, you've got uh, Cosmos, uh, the 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 psychic you know dog astronaut. Like <laughs> uh, there's so much more there in the video games. Yeah, it's um, it is one of these things. Like, and I talked about it on on Dungeons and Diapers. I I I, um, I have finished it since then. Um, and I, I just like, I cannot say enough good things. Ryan, you did a good job of, of highlighting uh, what it is, but I think that, you know, the idea here that you have this developer that is being, you know, in Eidos, Montreal, that has been, I don't want to say unfairly pigeonholed as a lower tier developer, but they, they, in the, they'd be known to take sort of existing properties, um, and and do kind of like maybe a less acclaimed spin to it, like the Batman Arkham Origins uh, or the De- Deus Ex Mankind Divided, like these games that are like in the shadow of a larger or perhaps more well received piece, right? So, uh, and then and then you know obviously the Avengers of it all as well, being the the big game that Marvel's Avengers that was released the year prior and. A lot of folks are, oh, it's another Marvel team game and it's done by the same like larger company in Eidos, you know, but uh, 
but this time it's Idris Montreal, and they're putting their own spin on it. And this is the first game I've ever played from them where I'm like, holy moly, this is like this is top tier, and I mean top tier graphics. It looks amazing. Uh, all the character models, like everything, they just nail it. Top tier, you know, music. They wrote an entire album of music for this game beyond all the licensed tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the uh, you know top tier storytelling. Uh, top tier voice acting, um, like the voice acting is so good in this game, scripting, all of this, and the gameplay. I actually, like, throughout, loved the gameplay. It actually grew on me more and more as it went, and I started remembering, okay, what are the different moves and how do they work together and how does Star-Lord's abilities work? And they kind of unlock throughout, and a lot of their abilities, both Star-Lord's in the way that he uses his, his guns and your side characters, unlock when they hit personal milestones in the story. Um, and that is so cool to see because it ties it together. It says this game really values storytelling and really values these characters um, and it's not just, yes, there are abilities you can just get skill points for and unlock, but then there's select abilities that you cannot, uh, or, or, uh, um, the, the, you have to, you have to reach a story beat to get. And, uh, uh, and I think that is, that is so, uh, that is so awesome. So like, and, and, you know, you haven't finished it. You will, I will just tell you it nails the landing. Like it's not going to. It's not going to be like a, the last bit. They ran out of money and it's it, it's crappy. So it, for me, it was one of these weird situations where everybody had told me this game punched above its weight, like that it was way better than I thought it would be. Uh, and so I went into it expecting good things. Like I didn't expect it. A lot of people, I think, expected it to be like an Avengers or just like maybe like, you know, it didn't show particularly well in the trailers and all of this up to it, I think. But when you play it, and you're going through it, you're like, man, everything about this game just nails it. And I was coming off Elden Ring, which does so many things great, but it does not have a strong like narrative story with interesting characters and backstories and all of that. Like it's very mysterious and very little in the way of character interaction. Um, and so it was such a fun, like it was just such a nice chaser to Elden Ring. I was just like, oh, I didn't want it to end. And I would put it in terms of like superhero quality games, like um, Marvel game, DC games, up there with the Arkhams and the Spider-Mans as like this is top tier, top shelf, like capturing the persona and characters and all of this. Like I, I would say it's up there. And so if you slept on it and it's like on Game Pass now and the heartbreaker is that it made like to my knowledge not a ton of money or hasn't hasn't sold well. Now Eidos is being sold and like likely I, I would guess there will not be a sequel to this game or even maybe even that team will be broken up or I'm not sure. But that, you know, that's a huge bummer. When you see this, you're just like, oh man, Lucky it's long because there's a lot in there. And I even missed a bunch of stuff I read about afterwards. So I could even get a nice uh, replay out of it. And I would consider it because it's so fun to play. So great game. Yeah. Um, Like on the topic of Eidos Montreal and and, uh, Embracer Group purchasing them, I I think like there is a possibility that uh, Embracer Group re-ups the license like i don't think there's any exclusivity with square enix i don't think square enix owns i know they don't own the guardians of the galaxy you know name 
whether they own or have a stake in in that uh rendition or adaptation of guardians but like i i don't think it'd be in it's i wouldn't say it's impossible for a sequel um under embracer group i think that um idas montreal like they might want to go back to uh deus ex i know like everything i've seen from the developers uh, when it comes to Guardians, they're very proud of their work. They're very happy with their work, and and I think they should be. I think there's, as you said, there's like there's a great game there, and I think it just got. Um, I mean, honestly, it got overlooked just because of what happened with Avengers and and uh, and another Square Enix game, and I think that uh, a lot of people just didn't give it a chance, myself included. You know, again, like I'm in the same boat as had like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. I love Marvel stuff but I'll, I'll get around to it. Same here. I only played it on game pass, right? Like I didn't shell out any, like my money for it. I, it was, we're, we're part of the pr- proverbial problem. And it is just funny. Cause last year wasn't exactly a heavy hitter video game year. You know, we, we've come out hot this year with all these great, huge game of the year contenders. Um, it, but last year, when I was trying to think about like, what was my game of the year last year? And like a lot of, a lot of the review sites were, you know, picking racing games like Forza or, or Halo or, and like Microsoft did have a, a big end of year, but like maybe it's personal preference, but I, I much prefer guardians of the galaxy to both Halo and Forza, you know? Uh, and so uh, def- definitely, I, I, I think it's going to be one of those games that, in a few years, uh, we'll look back and, and uh, people will be like, man, that game was really good. Or like it will be a, a cult favorite. And I know that people sort of do this because it hasn't been repackaged. Uh, people sort of do this with Arkham Origins a little bit where they're like, oh, man, that game was better than than you you know people give it credit for. Um, it did some things better than Arkham Knight or so forth, boss battles, just different things. People want to see a re-release for it. But having loved Arkham Knight, uh, Arkham Origins and all the Arkham series, it's not to the level of Guardians of the Galaxy. And so I just think that like in the in the future, Guardian uh, people will look back at this game, especially if there's not another one, and be like, man, that was something special. We slept on that one, or it's too bad they didn't make another one of these. Yeah. Yep, hundred percent. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, as you said, the game gets uh, some more pickup. I know it's been on Game Pass for a bit, and and a lot of people are talking about it. But, um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll finish it up. Um, I I should be able to finish it for next week. So we'll talk, maybe talk a little bit about a, a bit more next week. But definitely talk about the whether it's stuck to landing as, as Crofton says it has. Um, before we talk about Crofton's last game here, I did want to quickly mention, because I, I promised I would do this, and, um, you know, uh, I have a, a knack for bringing video game movies on to the show, and um, there's been a lot of them lately, uh, you know, with last year having Mortal Kombat, this year having Sonic 2, and as well as... Um, Uncharted. They made uh, an Uncharted movie, and I, I swore if uh, I, I didn't swear. Uh, I said it, when it comes to rental, I'll rent it and I'll watch it. And I did that. And I and I gotta say, it's uh, as a fan of Uncharted, I 
was I was happy with here it comes. Oh, no, you already said happy. <laughs> you already said happy. I, I was just I'm like, I was going to milk it for as long as possible and guess what you were going to say. But happy is good. No, here's the thing. Like, is it a perfect film? No. Is it a perfect adaptation of Uncharted? Like, I, like, I don't know how again, like I don't like when you take something from uh, its original medium, which does have a pretty decent story. Like they, you know, the Uncharted games, they, they have a beginning, middle end. Like it's, it's by no means like the greatest story ever told, but it's a good story. Um, I think that with Uncharted, this, this movie they did, like they're aiming at a, like more of a prequel stage. Cause it is Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake. And it is again, beyond weird to see him kind of outside that Spider-Man role. Uh, the Peter Parker role and play like this, what should be a very different character and is a very different character, but it's hard to shake that, like that Peter Parker sort of style, especially in that type of role. Cause you're talking about like, if you saw him, like he's done some dra- dramatic films and different things where he's playing maybe more of a physical transformation, but here, this is a Saturday blockbuster. Like this is a, this is like, you know, a, a whimsy and witty, like it's not tonally so different from the Spider-Man movies. So I could see that being challenging. Yeah. And I, and again, I, I would say like the biggest difference between, you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker and Tom Holland's Nathan Drake is that he is a lot more, you know, confident in himself uh, in, in as Nathan Drake. He's a, he's a, he's a lot more cocky, you know, he, it's, he knows what he needs to do and he's, and he's going to get it done. Um, whereas Peter Parker is a little more cagey, a little more, you know, he's, like he's not, he's not like, I mean, like as the movies went on, I think he got a lot better at, you know, doing what he needed to do. But I think in Uncharted, like it's, it's a very different, it's a very different character and it's hard to remove uh, the, your idea of Tom Holland as Peter Parker. So again, that was a concern that we had watching the trailers. It's there, but like you quickly get over it when you realize like, okay, this is, this is not. This is not Spider-Man. This is a different movie. Okay. Um, Mark Wahlberg as Sully. I like Mark Wahlberg. Like, I don't see him in a lot of films. I, I know he does a lot of work, but, like, I, I don't really watch his movies. But I but I like him as an actor. And he plays very well opposite Tom Holland in the Nathan Drake-Sully relationship. So, like, that works. And really, it feels like... It kind of feels like an... Uh, like, it should. It kind of feels like an... Indiana Jones Tomb Raider style adventure where they are traveling around the world trying to find this treasure like it fits within the Uncharted mold and I I'm glad that they're working on a sequel or will be soon and um I want to see more of this I want to I want to see what they can do now that they've got like the the characters set up and in 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 the roles that we know them from the video games basically like yeah yeah, I have some questions, Ryan. Mm. Uh, as a guy who has played all four Uncharted games more than once, uh, and is mm. very much enjoys the the characters and the story of Uncharted, I, the, all the trailers seem to have picked off different bits and pieces from different games. Like you've got the airplane scene out of the falling out of the plane from Uncharted Three. Then you've got pirate ships being picked up, a la what looks like uncharted four um and then there's other bits that like look like they might have been pulled from like flashback seeds from uh, uncharted four and three as well as you know there's just a lot there's a lot of uh bits 
And I'm just wondering, uh, is is it a Frankenstein monster of an uncharted story in terms of like, did they just pull apart like, oh, this scene from the game is good or this scene, or does it all make narrative sense? And is it a new story or is it an adaptation of one of the treasure hunts in the game? It's, uh, it's a new story. I'm trying to remember if like the specific gold they're looking for. It was, uh, I can't remember whose gold it is now. Like I, I did watch the film. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's not, so the first game is like Sir Francis Drake. They're looking for Sir, Fran- Sir Francis Drake's coffin or whatever. Um, the second, second, yeah. Second the, game is El Dorado, like okay. the mystical. The third, um, the the fourth game is is Henry Avery and the uh, treasure, and the third is that um, city in the desert there with the sands or whatever. Right. Uh, so this uh, one, I'm pretty. Is it Magellan's boats? Does that make any sense? I don't know. Now, I'm, well, Magellan is a he sailed around the world. Like I'm not sure is that the. Uh, so it's about it, it's related. It's yes. the pirate. It's a piratey one. So yeah, it, it's it's close to piratey. Yeah. So they're located. They're trying to locate the fabled lost treasure of the Magellan expedition. Um, okay. And essentially, what what the story rolls around is that you've got um, Sully, who's you know come out of nowhere to recruit Tom Holland's Nathan Drake to, to go on this expedition. You find out there, there, there's a bit of a connection. So I don't even think this is in the trailers, but like there's also a bit of a connection to four because four introduced Nathan Drake's older brother, Sam, which was not present in the first three games. So the movie introduces Sam as well, uh, very early on in the film, uh, as, uh, in flashbacks to when they were living in the orphanage and kind of getting in trouble there and breaking into museums and such as you do as Nathan Drake or as any Drake. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like they, they roll in some of that as well. So I think they like, they look at the series as a whole and they very much pull the characters out and you've got Chloe in there. There's a young Chloe. She's fantastic. Uh, uh, works really well in the dynamic of like, Chloe and Nathan and and Chloe and Sully and like everyone everyone knows everyone except for Nathan Drake. He's coming in, he doesn't know any of these people. He's meeting them all for the first time. And I think like yes, they pull inspiration from that airplane scene with the the cargo sort of uh hanging out the back of a cargo plane and and uh by inspiration, do you mean did they wholesale lift it because well, there that's isn't what a, it looks like? There isn't a the desert trailer. underneath. It's different. It's different. It's right? different. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's it's technically an ocean underneath. So, you know, like they they mix it up. They mix it up. Uh no, your your comments are not wrong. Like they they do lift um the plane scene uh from Uncharted 3 uh which is which is on the box art. So, uh yes, they very much lift that idea. Um the ships are I think, yeah, like very similar to four, they discover these, these long lost uh, ships that they're looking for. But again, it is very much telling its own story, more of an origin story to the relationship between Sully and Nathan. And by the end of the film, you do get to that point of like uncharted one, you know, where they are very much partners in crime, I guess. Like they were criminals, right? Am I pretty much? Yeah. I was like Uh, trying to remember, I know they're heroes, but they were, they were criminals. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, like it's a, it like Ash and I watched it together. Like we really enjoyed it. It was, a, it's two, about two hours. And again, it was like, it, it was good popcorn fun. Yeah. I, I, 
almost we almost watched it, and I made that same pitch to my wife. I was like, you know what? I could see this being just just some some good fun. We have a we have a good time watching a, you know, like the the natural national treasure movies and like all the like they're just like popcorn sort of mysteries with like people you know there's something fun about that even if it's an adaptation of uh, of a game that i i like a lot more obviously uh and she's watched me play some uncharted so we'll, we'll see maybe we would dig that up dig that up sometime um ryan i am going to just close out here uh to talk about a vr game i played um over the past week or so, uh, it's called uh, Demio. Demio? I don't even know. Demio, I think. De- Demio, and it's like a, it's essentially a porn game, um, except you play, you can play it in VR. There's also a non-VR version of it, and uh, um, it's it essentially replicates for those who are familiar with Gloomhaven, and I'm sure that there are other games like this gloomhaven is just the one that jumps to mind these sort of combat encounters where you're like going through a dungeon with the little your your figurine like be it a rogue or a magician or whatever and you're trying to get a key and get your way out and you've got to roll dice and do different things so it's like a it's like a board game like that except that i played it in vr and um when you're playing it in vr it's the you know uh, the that is the gimmick. That's what the game is standing on. It's sort of saying like, it's like these games, except you can play it in VR. You can pick up your little figurine and move it. I played it on Oculus Quest too. Um, you can roll the de- like you act you roll the dice yourself. You you pick out cards and you play them yourself and stuff. And um, and then you've got to pick up your card and drop drop it, and you can rotate the board or the the thing and look at it. And I played it. Uh, I played it with my friends Bo and Scott, and uh, so we were three. Um, and I had put off playing this game solo. Like uh, my friend Bo talked me into it because he was he because he had bought it, um, and uh, he was he's really into this. He's like, it'll be fun to play collectively. And I was like, yes, I've always been interested in this game, but I didn't want to play it solo. And I would stand by that. I think it's really a game to be played with your friends because it is, it is like, it is a board game. It's like, a, um, and uh, it, it, in the COVID times, the idea of playing this virtually was always very appealing to me. However, there's a couple of things that I would say. Uh, one, Scott played the version that was not in VR and he was sort of streaming the gameplay. And I looked at it afterwards and I was like, meh, there's nothing in the VR that is that is like like it's all gimmicky right you're picking up a little guy you're rolling the dice you're doing all that sort of stuff it's like it's not um it you know it's (laughs) in terms of vr experiences it's not like replicating all sorts of insane action and adventure and really like you could easily just play it on your uh computer version and if anything i don't have the elite strap which i'm going to get on the uh on the Oculus. And so my headset was always sliding and it was kind of uncomfortable a bit. And, uh, you know, I'm squinting and I'm looking at these small pieces. And even though the screen is, is much better on the quest two than on previous headsets, it's still like, it's not like looking at it in real life. So I, you know, I did have some eyes strained and didn't get tired. And the last thing that I would say that's kind of negative about it is that, you know, when you're playing a VR game and I've played some of these games with other people before where, where you see their silhouette, like, um, 
I played a you know I think a, a table tennis type game. I played a Lone Echo, I, like um, the Echo Arena, where you kind of see your person, like your guy. Whereas in this game, like you just see, I guess they thought it would be too much, so you only see the opposing players, even if they are in VR. Like you see, like a floating mask and hands, and so there's just like not as great a sense of presence of your friends there as I was hoping there would be in VR. Like I would have liked to have seen somebody that looked not that was Bo, but like that moved like him because when I play lone echo or echo arena and I see these folks and they're moving, you could see they're moving like real people. And it really, it really resonates where, where in this, it, it doesn't really like, it's kind of like floating hands. Uh, and I understand they didn't want too much visual stuff to get in the way of it. But, um, but the gameplay itself, you're moving your figurines through these dungeons and there's monsters and like you play cards like, like you would in Hearthstone or what have you. Um, and you have two action points per turn and you've got to spend them and in your class has special cards and you can kind of get more cards as you defeat enemies the enemies come fast and furious and it is insanely difficult like it's really tough but we had a really good time playing it i'd say the more the merrier it's it's a it's a it's a really good game i don't know if vr is necessary for it uh that is the one thing it's a neat novelty um, but I, I'm not sure that it is the uh, the best way to play it. But anyway, Demio, uh, if you like tabletop games, uh, it's a it's a real good substitute if you get a few buddies around the table. Yeah, and it's important to note if uh, and we looked into this because I was I was curious um, if you buy it on Steam, you can get the Steam VR version uh, and the PC version together for the same price. I think it's like thirty five dollars Canadian. And if you're like Croft and I who have Quest 2s, if you buy it on the Oculus Store um, or the Meta Quest Store, I don't know if they've they've moved the branding over, but everything's Meta, Meta Quest now. Uh, Oculus is pretty much gone, but the Oculus Store is, is still there. Um, if you buy it there, you'll get a, uh, a PC edition for free that runs through the Oculus app uh, for Windows 10. So if you do buy it, like you buy it for Oculus Quest, um, you you do get the PC edition as well at no extra cost. So again, like the novelty of playing it in VR is it it can be something that you just do, you experiment with, but if you if you know like, oh, I just want to play it on PC, like as far as I know, I have not I've not done it, but I know Scott's been talking about jumping back and forth. I think like there is the option to like take your characters and campaigns across across games um cuz i think it's it's all done through room codes right i watched a bit of your playthrough yeah it's all done it's all done through room codes and it's not a perfect thing uh, i will say one one thing about the vr um version of demio that that i got to give a shout out to and i love vr games that do this is they have a hangout room and it's like um it, it it's essentially a basement of like a comic book shop almost all is sort of grungy and in it you can like walk around and you can pick up like you can even start a game from there you can pick up like one of the campaign books that are made to be like D books and you can toss it on this table and it will sort of start the campaign and like you can walk around but you can just wait for people like i was waiting for Bo to reboot his thing and i was hanging out there and there's like um 
a, an archery board where you can shoot a bow and arrow with these sort of rubber uh, tipped arrows just for fun and, and and you can get scores and like compete like i i Bo and i had to shoot out on the board and then there's a little arcade machine in the corner that they have like a gauntlet like game on it you can like play it and it actually plays and the other person can watch it like they would be watching an arcade like you know over the shoulder like Bo's watching me play and i'm playing you know it's all it's all kind of hilarious because it's all like you know vr stuff but it, it, I love those little touches when developers are like, "Oh, let's make let's make a hangout spot for your, you and your friends uh, in VR, like in between games. You know, you can chat in there and all of that." And uh, so that's great. The room code thing and the the connecting stuff was not super great. We eventually tr found a way to get Discord working, and that was much. Uh, that obviously was much better, but uh, yeah, uh, Demio, uh, really worth checking out again. Like, if you want a, a game night game for for you and your friends, and you're separated by distance or COVID, like it, it made me think. Like Scott was in in Utah, and Bo was in the same city as I am, but my brother's in Calgary, um, and uh, you know, I could I could talk talk to him and say like, hey, do you want to play a board game with me one night, and we could be like in a virtual space. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said uh, for that. It, it it does what it does very, very well. It's just that once you get over the novelty of the VR, then you're, you sort of think to yourself, well, I could just pick up this figurine with the mouse and drag it. And if anything, uh, Bo and Scott laughed at me a lot because I would, I would be trying to drop a figurine and my hand would shake a little bit. And I would, and I would miss drop it. And here's the thing. In, if you were playing with your friends in the basement and somebody did that, you'd be like, okay, don't worry. I know where you meant to put it, you know, like you meant to put it here. So it's okay. But in a game like that, that's all automated, like you drop it, it's like a card laid is a card played and the enemy just goes like, oh, you know, starts moving. And the backstab for rogues, you have to move your figurine behind the enemy figurine and then you have to kind of lean it towards them a little bit to, to signal that you're also doing the backstab. So there was a couple of times where I got like, I brought it behind them and I just didn't lean it properly. And so I just moved my guy essentially right next to the enemy, but didn't backstab them. And then they just turned around and would punch me in the face. And I was like, ah, controls, damn you. <laughs> yeah. I can see how, uh, you'd have to be super pre not super precise like it, it do they it sounds like they don't make it like you have to be just so but like there is a uh there is definitely some finesse that you have to have in vr and and like this is by no means me you know saying like uh you're not graceful in vr but really uh the translation of the hand tracking it's not always perfect it's not hand tracking. It uses the controllers. It, it. I would have loved it if it did hand tracking. Well, that would have made it so much better. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that's a good point. It's not hand tracking. But, like, the the controllers are still being tracked by the external cameras on the headsets. So, like, it, it is pretty close to one-to-one. -one, but I find sometimes, like, you can – maybe you looked away at the wrong time and you were moving the controller. Like, it, it's it can still be – it's not – perfect by any means like what i would have done it's like a small feature and maybe people would have found it annoying i'm not sure but i would have made it that when you move your piece there be a pop-up that says are you sure and mm. then you just and then you click and all you'd have to do is click a or something and on your controller and are you sure yes 
for sure. Like mostly you click through, but if you make a bungle, then you'd be like, oh wait, no, I'm not sure. You know, uh, I, I, I either that said, I'm, I'm nitpicking the nuances of this, and I would like to see more of this type of uh, of game exist, um, and to in in like even ramp up the VR element of it more. Because this is a game, the fact that they were able to make a Steam version that is really loses nothing. Uh, yes, it's fun in VR to be able to flip an actual coin when you're flipping a coin or roll a dice or whatever. But I do think you can make a game like this. Uh, and I think there's another board game like this called Brass Tactics, and I haven't tried that. But like, I think you can make a game like this in VR that actually could only be done in VR. Like, like, cause this, this game is a game that could absolutely have been like, if you had a board and figurines, you could play in your, in your uh, basement essentially, or you could play it in, uh, in, you know, like in, uh, uh, on a PC version. But I think it'd be really, really cool if they had a version where it was like, clearly this was only possible in VR. Um, I, I don't know how the, like a th I'm limited by imagination, maybe like a 360 space or like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but, uh, but that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they're, they're doing more work with the game and, and we'll continuously be updating it. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where, where it goes from here, but I know it's got a, it sounds like they got a good foundation and, um, yeah, uh, i I've been, I've been tempted to check it out. And I think when you, uh, I think Bo streamed it or maybe it was Scott. Yeah. Scott streamed it, I think last week. So there is like a three hour video, one hour of which is some troubleshooting, but, uh, they, they do get to the game eventually. So, um, definitely check that out. It's, it's really neat. And I had not seen it played before. I know Scott streamed it a couple times for, you know, some events and such, but, uh, yeah, check out Demio. Uh, before we go into the news though, I want to thank all our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash the gamers in, uh, for may, our featured patron is CRV ATV, and we have plenty of patrons to feature, uh, for the next, uh, four or five months. So we'll be shouting out folks, uh, all summer long. Thank you so much for supporting the gamers in. Moving into the news, as promised, we are going to save the Dead by Daylight dating sim uh, announcement for when Jocelyn returns. Uh, but yeah, the developers behind the KFC dating sim are at it again and are working on a Dead by Daylight uh, dating simulator. So Crofton, like, I mean, I'll get your hot take on this just based on the headline. I know you said you saw this. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on this? So first off, I, I really want to congratulate myself. I made a timing decision. I was like, I need to use the bathroom. And when is the right time to go? And I said, if I can time it just when Ryan thanks the patrons, I can get there and back without it looking weird. And you know what? I did it. So congratulations to me. Also, uh, on the uh, on that, like I've never played Dead by Daylight. First off, that should be context. Uh, so, But I will say that lately I have noticed this trend, like there's on game pass. One of the games that I was looking at last night is like, it was called boyfriend dungeon where like all the, um, the, the web, it's like a, it's like a dating sim, but also an RPG where you're dating your weapons and they're all boys or whatever. Like you, and, and there's another, you know, there's another, uh, there's at least another one of these, like I think it was Dream Daddy or whatever. It was a, uh, uh, so they have 
and they found they found kind of like a, a, a I don't want to say a moment, but like people are people fi- find it really clever. It, it it's not so far removed from that. Um, what it, what is the anime liter- Doki Doki Literature Club where it's like it just the subversion of expectations so thoroughly. So when I saw this, I was just like, oh, they're cashing in on a trend and subverting expectations to the maximum level that they can which is i think either really clever or they completely misread their audience we'll see we'll see but uh i could see what they were inspired by and how they thought that it perhaps would be clever and and maybe maybe it will be uh i did not play dead by daylight and i won't play this no no offense just i have no interest in either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Well, you know what? We'll uh, we'll chat more about it uh, when I I mean, I only saw the headline and the key art. So we'll chat more about it when Jocelyn returns near the end of the month. But I know Crofton will have thoughts on this. Bethesda has delayed Starfield and Redfall into 2023. Two of the biggest games that were going to hit Xbox Game Pass as first party exclusives have now exited the year 2022. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that uh, Xbox is going to have to throw around a bit of money to to get some games uh, on Game Pass? Hey, so actually, I want to throw that back to you and get your thoughts first because oh. I listened to the Gamers In, and this is the exact type of story I would want to hear you and Jocelyn uh, uh, talk about. I think it is relatively big news. So, what what uh, what do you think? Well. I mean, first and foremost, I think it's important to start with the fact that, uh, you know, a rushed game is a bad game forever. A delayed game is eventually great. So Starfield, which I will remind everybody, we have not seen, uh, as far as I know, we have not seen any gameplay of this game. I, I feel like we'll we'll see gameplay in a couple of weeks at the Microsoft plus Bethesda showcase, but we have not seen gameplay as far as I know. And I think delaying it into the first half of 2023 is fine. I uh, honestly, I want Bethesda to take as much time as they can with, uh, with what is likely to be a very large game. And I think the cuteness of bugs and open worldness that Bethesda has been known for has kind of gone out the window with what happened with cyberpunk, um, 2077. Now I'm not saying Starfield was going to be, as poorly received as cyberpunk was at launch. Um, but still like I can imagine a lot of companies are, are, are very wary of that, of repeating that situation of being the next, you know, game to, to have that happen. So the fact that Microsoft and Bethesda have looked at this and said, like, let's give the team six more months. I think that's really good. Like it's, it's, it's good. And I, and as you said, like, as you know, where we're at as, as gamers in our lives where we have limited time to play, Sometimes a delay can be like, yes, take the time you need. You know, honestly, fall was likely to be busy anyways. <laughs> so waiting the four months is is fine. Um, I'm not as interested in Redfall, but again, like I'm all for games being delayed. Like when Breath of the Wild 2 was delayed into 2023, I'm fine with that. I, I can wait another four to five months if it means that the game is going to um, launch to meet our expectations. So that all being said, I'm I'm fine with the delay, but it, it does leave an interesting opening in the Xbox Game Pass sort of uh, catalog. Because again, like 
you have a subscription service, your subscription service is only as good as the content that's being added. And there was going to be a large summer edition with Redfall and a large fall edition with with Starfield. So I I think you're going to see Microsoft look to third parties for day one releases to kind of fill that gap. One thing um, I was thinking about, because I've actually been, I'm excited to play this game and I have not played it, even though a lot of people have, is Deathloop. Um, And Deathloop was uh, released, uh, weirdly, a Bethesda game released as a PS5 uh, or PlayStation, at least, exclusive. and, And I think on PC as well um, last last year and uh, with a one year kind of like exclusivity period or something like that. So, so it's going to, I think going to run out in the summer. And so I would like, if, if they can get me death loop to play, which uh, has gotten some super favorable reviews and, and uh, a lot of us who only have Xboxes, um, you know, I, that would make up for Redfall for sure. Uh, but as to your to your point about everything you said about Starfield and all of that, no, we haven't seen footage. Yes, Bethesda games are notoriously for bugs, especially the the uh, the, the Todd Howard team ones because uh, of their ambition. Uh, is it is it good that they get more time? Yes. Uh, I, I when I I'll tell you what I thought of when I when I heard this um, and what gave me a lot of confidence, I guess, is. Um, so I have an Xbox Series X, and I, I I made that choice due mostly to availability of console, but also to Game Pass, right? But like Microsoft's been making these choices that have led to folks like me that were PlayStation last generation switching over. Um, and one one thing and one choice that would was it's easy to forget about now, but was really all clearly difficult in hindsight. Hey, like when you look back was the delaying of halo infinite from the launch of the Xbox series consoles. So like that was to be their big launch game, right? It was going to be like mega showcase or whatever. And then we all know what happened, how it was looking and, 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 and the conversations that must've happened at Microsoft to be like, yeah, Halo's not going to make launch. Right. Is not going to be ready. And then, of course, it's delayed. It's released to like fairly critical acclaim with everybody being like, oh, man, they made the right choice here. But that must have taken balls to make that choice to be like, we're we're not going to have a Halo game at launch. We're not going to have much at launch and all of this. And, and then instead, instead uh, they it paid off. So, again, here we're in a situation where they have this date that is just like, 10 years after Skyrim or I forget how many years, whatever it was, it was, a twi- you know, 11, uh, 11, 11, 22. It was just like, everything seemed like preordained. They were not moving from that date. They announced it a year ahead of time. And then, and, and then they make the tough choice. And like, I, you know, I don't want to give too, too much credit to Phil because I, I don't know if, He's he's the be all end all decision maker on this, or or how involved he is. But like this is a, one of those situations again where like they're you know they're taking tremendous criticism, but I think we'll look back and be like, wow, man, that was that was the right call. Um, that was that was the right call to make. As to what games will replace, 
Um, I mean, that will be, I don't know if they've got anything hidden in their pockets or whatever. Like if they, there's some something that can be uh, moved up or that, you know, sometimes they, the smaller or medium-sized schemes might get later reveal in the year. But yeah, they might have to open their pocketbooks to get some stuff on Game Pass that otherwise wouldn't have been on, on, on Game Pass. So I don't know. I think it'll probably be a win-win for us, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think if you're a, I think if you're a Game Pass subscriber, I don't think you have to worry about these games moving out of the year. Uh, Microsoft usually has like a good solid lineup. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how, how that goes. Um, before we move into the listener feedback, I do want to let everybody know, definitely join the discord bit.ly slash TGI discord, where we chat about all the video games and news that is, is currently going on. General chat is always busy as Crofton said. Um, also you can email the show info at gamers like Cheezel did. We have an email from Cheezel on non-development jobs in the video game industry. One thing that I thought would be interesting to talk about is non-tech savvy jobs in the gaming industry. When I look for jobs in the gaming industry, there are thousands of opportunities that require heavy tech, software knowledge, such as programming, engineering, 3D artists, designers, software dev, etc. My question is, where would somebody more common type job knowledge without that background fit in? I have a great sales resume that I'm proud of, but don't find it to be fitting for anything being shown in the gaming industry. Where would somebody with many years of non-tech managerial skills end up? I feel there is a fit with almost any industry with these backgrounds other than gaming. Just thought it could be a fun conversation and would love some insight. Thanks for all you do. Uh, Here's the thing. I will start this conversation with uh, Crofton and I are not game developers. However, uh, Crofton has worked with a video game company before. Uh, I uh, have worked with video game companies as well in more of like a content creation standpoint. And I've got like, I think we've got a little bit of insight, but obviously we should start off with the fact that like, we're probably not going to have like the be all end all answer. That being said, there are many roles that uh, are, are available at, at various developers that, you know, touch on gaming touch on the development of, of video games, but may not necessarily be uh, programming, design, uh, you know, uh, 3D artists, that sort of thing. Like, obviously, there's a whole admin side to it. There's the communication side, uh, you know, public relations. A lot of um, larger developers and publishers have their own, um, you know, in-house PR department. Uh, you know, Nintendo, PlayStation, Microsoft, three great examples there that would have their own um, PR. And with that comes, you know, various types of managers and positions and stuff like that. But like, I think that for me, when I was looking at the video game industry as a possible like avenue for, for, for work, I always liked the idea of like another one that comes up as well as like social media website content. I really like the idea of like managing the website of, you know, various video game companies and like building out their websites and and producing new content um i think like nintendo does a really good job at like building these like mini sites for all their games that come out um there's a lot of like there's a lot of like non uh i I, that's a technical one though but still there's like a, a lot of non like game development programming you know 3d design that sort of thing positions out there but like 
even sales too. Like I, I feel like there's there's got to be some sort of fit to sales. Like Crofton, what do you think? I I would. There's a couple of things that mm. I would I would say here. First off, I would I would caution, and this is not um this is not to be a, a downer or anything, but the video game industry has received its fair share of um negative press lately uh, on, on labor and uh, that affects all aspects of, of working at some of these big companies. Right. Um, and I think that, I think that it is worth noting that video games, uh, it, the, the operate on passion very a lot, meaning that people are sometimes quite underpaid to do jobs or have been historically. I think that that's starting to change to do jobs that you might get paid more for doing elsewhere. Right. Um, and uh, I know like in 2004, and this is going back, but this is when I worked, like I, I've worked for two companies, which was Nintendo Canada and Nintendo Canada is a marketing company. Essentially we don't, you know, develop, it does not develop games. There are Canadian game developers, but Nintendo of Canada serves to, to promote Nintendo products and games across Canada. So if I go to their website, you know, I, I can see that they have, you know, job opportunities that might be related to sales and marketing, right? Um, and at the very entry level, when, what I was doing at the time as a summer student was a games promotion job where I would go to fairs and exhibits and promote games. My title was game promoter, right? Um, and, uh, to to date me, this was like Game Boy Advance, GameCube time, right? So uh, it's it's been a while, and I'm sure things have changed. And then I worked for Ubisoft, um, and I was providing customer support for some of their online games and doing some game mastering for these for these games. And I knew that I wanted to work for a video game company at this time, so I kept checking their website, and they had a jobs page, and I would look all the time to see if there was any that did not have the technical, like it was not a program job or not a whatever what, that, that, that I could apply to. As soon as I saw one, I was like, oh, I can apply to that one. Customer su you know, support for this online video game. I'm going to apply. And I applied and I, I, you know, I interviewed and I got it. And I was really, really happy about that. But I had to be sort of on top of it. And looking back at the time, you know, like it's long hours, wasn't paid particularly great. I loved, I, I loved the opportunity and the job. I look back on it fondly and, and maybe there would have been some possibilities to get into developing levels for like rainbow six and all of that from, from there. But that's not the direction I went in and I, I left the, the space and, and my salary and benefits increased accordingly. Um, so I guess I would just say, be mindful of all those things. And the traditionalist in me says like, if, if you know, like, if you're a gamer and you know the companies that you that you want to to work for, like figure out where they post their jobs. Often it's on their own site still. Uh, you know, have them all bookmarked and check them all the time, um, and 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 look for the ones that you have competencies for and apply, apply, apply. Um, you know, uh, and and it sounds to this person, it sounds like they have, you know, some expertise in, in manage. You know, like uh, al already. Um, and uh, I would see the same advice applies to those who are just starting with no expertise. There's a lot of highly desirable jobs from like community managers, managing online communities. Uh, like uh, there's just some, some great, great stuff in the space. Um, just be sure, I would say, that you go in eyes wide open and that, you know, like you're sure that they're – 
that you're, you know, you always want to do a great job at, an, at a new job, but that you're not um, compromising too much in the name of, of passion, right? I, I remember a big speech from a, from a boss one time saying, oh, we could all be, when, when some tough change was coming down the pipe, saying essentially, oh, just be glad we're all not working in the banks or, or in banks. You're working in video games. And I was like, yeah, but if we were if we were working in banks, would we, you know, be going through this right now? Probably not, you know. So, I mean, there, there, maybe I, I don't want to be too cynical about it, but I just do think that it's important when, when, especially when you have this transferable skill set, like sales, that you're going into a space that that you may have to take a pay cut, and you may be okay with that because you get to work on something you care about, which is totally fine. Yeah, no, great stuff, and I know we have listeners that um, that work in gaming or adjacent to gaming so there might be additional thoughts that we can share next week so if anyone has any uh anything to share on the topic certainly let us know i'll, I'll collect the feedback and we'll share it next week too so uh hopefully that gives you a, a start to your answer there chisel um crofton thank you so much for being on the show guesting this week why don't you let I mean, you've been trying to do it all episode, but uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can hear you elsewhere? It, it's funny because like when Bo started doing uh, core, uh, I was doing a podcast with him called Good, Bad or Bullshit. And uh, I was always like, you got to promote Good, Bad or Bullshit on that show. He's like, well, you know, I don't want to be too pushy or whatever. And I get on your show. I'm like, Dungeon to Diapers. Have you heard about Dungeon to Diapers? Why aren't you listening to it right now? Um and uh, so I would just say to your kind listeners uh, that I co-host a show with Ryan called Dungeons and Diapers. We spend a chunk, half of it in the dungeons, which is not a sex thing. It is really about uh, the nerd stuff that we like to to uh, to do from board games to video games. We talk about all that stuff there. Sometimes, whereas the gamers in is very much focused on games, but we'll talk about. We'll talk about uh, movies and all, all sorts of stuff. Although Ryan finds ways to get movies in here too, I've noticed. Very clever. Um, the other the other side of it is the diapers, and that is where we talk about sort of our, our lives, managing uh, uh, how we balance um, our geeky pursuits with with to being good dads, essentially. But you don't have to be a dad to listen to it. And in fact, I think it, it holds its own either way. So please come on over to Dungeons and Diapers. If you have not already, give us a try. Although you may be really happy. You're like, this guy talks a lot. I can't wait for him to be gone. And in which case, don't listen to Dungeons and Diapers because I talk a lot there too. All right. Thank you, Ryan. There you go. Well, yeah. Oh, oh. and you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Croft and Steers. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say, definitely uh, give Crofton a follow on Twitter at Crofton Steers. You can also follow uh, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, uh, myself at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. You can find all of our back catalog of episodes at gamersinpodcast.com. So if you want to listen back and listen to the last time Crofton was on, or, or you could just type Crofton into the search bar and you'll probably get all the TGI Crofton episodes. So like, yeah, you could do that too if if you wanted to. I, I don't know. I'm surprised Crofton didn't suggest that, so I, I wanted to, to fill that gap. Crofton wasn't aware you could do that. Yes, well, there you are. Now Crofton's going to go do that and listen to all of his past episodes. <laughs> He's like, these ones are really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there you go. And um, yeah, thanks so much for staying at the Gamers Inn. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. 
Bye, everybody. Tell us what your name is for the people who love the Gamers Inn. Gamer rights. In innkeepers. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Okay, someone who, because since this is like kind of post-show, someone who um, stays at a lot of hotels. <laughs> this this could go wrong. <laughs> um, getting a lot of results. Uh, I, I just searched hotel client, but it's not doing anything for me right now. Hotel clientele? Hotel, no, that's not. Ten types of hotel guests? No. Guests. You could just call it guests, could you not? That's it. That's the word. Oh, I'm sorry. I Oh, guests. I feel kind of silly that we didn't. We just could not land it. I knew it was there. It was right there. I will there... include this past the outro music and only the true fans will listen and then they will. The, the true guests. Yeah, the true guests. <laughs> the gamers guests. Oh, <gasps> I did it. Yeah, finally. We sorted it out.